So anyway, just welcome to all of you and also just the regulars here. And we're in week number five of our series that we're calling The Jesus Way. If you have a Bible or a Bible app, you can turn to Matthew chapter five. We're in this section of the Gospels where Jesus is preaching his Sermon on the Mount. It's a long sermon. It's chapter five, chapter six, chapter seven of Matthew The Sermon on the Mount starts with a a section called the Beatitudes. That's where Jesus said, blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are all these people. And then he moves into this next section of his sermon that's called the Six Antitheses. I know that's a fancy word, but it literally just means like opposites. It's the section of the Bible, maybe you've heard of this, it's a section of the sermon where he says, you've heard this one thing from the Old Testament, but I'm going to tell you something else. So you've, you've heard that it was said, for example, week one, you've heard that it was said, do not murder, but he says, but I tell you, don't even be angry at someone. If you're even angry, then you've committed, then you've basically murdered them with your heart, in your heart. So that's called an antithesis. You heard this one thing in the Old Testament, but I'm going to tell you this other thing. So what, there's a couple things that's going on that I want to make sure that you understand. Number one, Jesus isn't saying that the Old Testament is wrong, because he doesn't actually say, he doesn't actually say, it is written, do not murder, but I tell you something, he doesn't, because there's a lot of times in the Gospels where Jesus says it is written. Anytime he, he says that a lot, what he's doing is he's appealing to the authority of Scripture. Scripture's good. We believe in the authority of Scripture. One of our value, our first value as a church is we, we look to God and his word and all that we do. So Jesus isn't saying Scripture's wrong. Jesus isn't saying, you know, what it says in the Old Testament, don't murder, that's wrong. He's not saying that. He doesn't say it is written. He says, you have heard. Here's what you've heard about it. So what he's calling to question is the interpretation that they'd heard. He's calling into question not the, what was written, but he's calling into question the way that it came across through the, through the teachers, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law. He said, the way it was interpreted to you was just a little bit off. And isn't this true in, in church and religion? It's it's one thing to have scripture, but it's another thing to have it faithfully taught to us. And that's what Jesus was saying. And so the second, so first of all, he was, say, he was calling into question the interpretation of the teachers, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law. But secondly, he was appealing to his own authority. Because he said, you've heard that it was said. You've heard this is what the teachers are saying. But then he would say, but I'm telling you this. And he's appealing to his own authority. And, and Jesus has the authority. And so that's why we call this series The Jesus Way. He's giving us this radically new ethic, a kingdom ethic. In every single lesson we've been looking at these, a lot of these statements are kind of hyperbolic, which means it's, it almost seems like overboard, like I can't believe he's really saying that. He's, but, but what he's doing is he's calling us to the spirit of the law. He's calling us to the intention behind the law, the heart of the law, instead of just to the letter of the law. Because we all know people who are really good at the letter of the law, you know, keeping a checklist and crossing all their T's and dotting all their I's, and yet they don't even love people. How many of you know somebody like that who is just like a hyper-religious person? It's okay, you could raise your hand. They're a hyper-religious person. If they're sitting next to you, certainly don't raise your hand. <laughs> but Okay, they're like hyper-religious. They're all about the rules, but there's something they're missing. There's like the spirit behind that they're missing. And that was the teachers of the law. That's what they were missing. They, they kind of, traditions, the tradition and the years had passed, and they had gotten so far from the heart behind what was actually written. 
And so that's what we've been studying. Now, today's, today's lesson, we're going to talk about being the bigger person because there's something about, there's something about human nature where when we are slighted or when we're insulted or when, we're, when, we get ups, when we feel like there's been an injustice done toward us, there's something in human nature, let's all admit it, there's something, something in human nature where we just want to fight back. We want to push back. We're not going to stand for that, right, when it comes to interpersonal relationships. And today's lesson is going to be shocking for many of us because in today's lesson, we're going to see that Jesus is teaching us that someone's going to have to be the bigger person. You know, in any interpersonal relationship, let's start with marriages. In any marriage, if someone in the marriage isn't going to be a bigger person, be the bigger person, then that marriage isn't going to last very long. Now, the best marriages is are the ones where both husband and wife take turns being the bigger person. They take turns, sort of cutting each other slack, asking for forgiveness, you know, extending grace. Those are the best marriages. But at, le- at least the long-lasting marriages, somebody's the bigger person, right? I, we just, I, in the first service, I met a couple that had been married 60 years, and, I, and they kind of both had smiles on their faces, and they said, yeah, no, we've had to learn this bigger person, like we've had to be the bigger person. And I, I looked at the husband waiting for a sign from him, like admitting that it was her. She was the bigger person most of the time, because that's how it's been in my marriage. You know, I, we just... If, we're, if Tracy and I are having a conversation, we don't have fights, but if we're having a conversation, that's a joke, obviously, right? We don't get into fights, but we have a lot of conversations, right? If we're having a discussion and we're really at each other's throats, especially early on in our marriage, I could not, I don't know if it's just in me as a man, I, I have the hardest time saying I'm sorry. I have the hardest time getting those words out saying I'm sorry, especially early in our marriage. And so, I mean, the first five years of our marriage, if we were gonna, if we were gonna be reconciled in our marriage, Tracy would have to be the bigger person. She would have to say, hey, bro, I am so sorry that you're such a jerk. <laughs> no, she wouldn't say it like that. She would say a real apology. But then that would like soften me a little bit and then I'd be like, no, I'm sorry. I, I was the one who was wrong. And, but it would take, and it would frustrate me because I recognized it wasn't natural for me to say I'm sorry, it was so hard for me, and, and I'm sure it was hard for Tracy as well, but she had the ability to get over it, get over herself, look past the offense, because again, and we see this in some marriages, if neither one of you is willing to sort of be the first one to break the ice and be the bigger person, then a lot of times in some marriages, then th- that, that hurt and that resentment and that bitterness and whatever else, it just gets so built up. You just sweep it under the rug for so long that by the time you get into it a decade or two decades, if you can even make it that far, it's like there's so much to try to recover from because, because nobody in the moment could just stop and be the bigger person and try to reconcile sooner rather than later. And that's what Jesus is going to be talking about in this lesson today. We're also, you're also going to see some idioms, some figures of speech that you've all heard of before, but maybe you didn't realize it came from Jesus. In fact, it came from the passage we're studying today. So before I even show you the passage, I want to just see if you recognize some of these. How many of you have ever heard somebody say, turn the other cheek? Raise your hand if you've ever heard, turn the other cheek. That's from Jesus. How many of you have ever heard about like somebody giving you, being willing to give you the, the shirt, off, shirt off your back? Raise your hand. Yeah, that's from Jesus. We're going to see that today, or have, how many of you have ever 
um, maybe taken a, like a like a bat, had a, like a backhanded interaction. Someone's been backhanded with you. Have you ever heard of that? Raise your hand if you. Someone has ever been backhanded with you, like a backhanded compliment, maybe something like that. And there's another one you're going to see here today. How about if you've ever heard of the phrase "going the extra mile"? You've heard of the phrase "going the extra mile." All of these phrases that we use in our language, in our English language, they all came from Jesus. They're all statements that Jesus made in today's passage. So let's take a look at the passage, and then let's jump in. we got a lot to cover today. Matthew 5, verses 38 to 42. Jesus says, you've heard that it was said, you've heard the law that says that the punishment must match the injury, eye for eye, tooth for tooth. It's actually in the Old Testament. But in, here's, the, here's the antithesis, here's the contradiction. He says, but I say, but I say, do not resist an evil person. And then he goes on. He gives four examples. This is what we're going to study today. If someone slaps you on the right cheek, turn the other cheek. If you're sued in court and your shirt is taken from you, give your coat too. Be willing to give the shirt off your back. If a soldier demands that you carry his gear for a mile, go the extra mile. Go two miles. Give to those who ask. Don't turn away from those who want to borrow. Now, let's start with, with understanding the very first passage, the first verse here. Jesus is talking about something called the lex talionis. Lex talionis means the law of retribution. So there's a law of retribution in the Old Testament, eye for eye, tooth for tooth. And the lex talionis, the whole reason it was given in the Jewish law thousands of years ago is so that the, the court system, the justice system, made sure that the punishment matched the injury. Because how many of you have ever heard of, like in, in, the, in Middle Eastern countries, if someone steals, a, a husband, a dad steals a loaf of bread to feed his family, and then his, his hand gets chopped off because of it, right? So whenever you hear stories like that, and you think, that is just overboard. That, that's too much. There should be a law against that, and that's exactly what God's doing here. He's saying, he's saying you should not... You should not punish someone more severely than their crime calls for. So if, if someone punches you or if someone, if someone injures you such that you lose an eye, the court of law is limited to calling for your eye in, in response to that. They can't ask for more than that. Or if someone punches you and knocks out a tooth, then the, in the court of law, they can't ask for more than a tooth back. So that's the idea behind the lex talionis. In fact, let's pull something from Expositor's Bible Commentary. It says, the Old Testament prescription of lex talionis, the law of retaliation, was not given to foster vengeance, but actually to decisively terminate vendettas. The whole idea was bring it to court and then let it go, drop it. Don't keep holding it over their head. Deal with it in the court of law and then let it go. So terminate vendettas. So we don't have this like Hatfields and McCoys going on between families for generations. Like deal with it and put it to bed. That was the whole idea. Lex talionis. The trouble is that the law designed to limit retaliation and punish fairly could actually be appealed to as a justification for vindictiveness. And this is exactly what was happening, is the, the lex talionis was intended to get rid of vengeance and revenge and vendettas, but what ended up happening is, over time, 
people would take a law that was meant for a good purpose, and over time they would start saying, you knocked my tooth out, I get to knock your tooth out. And so what ended up happening is it ended up encouraging vengeance and vendettas, and pretty soon you had all of these religious people that were the most vengeful people in the whole culture. And yet the religious people were supposed to be setting the example of releasing vengeance and leaving it to God. But that's not what's happening. And so this is what Jesus is addressing in this passage. And he addresses it by giving us four examples. And we're going to have to go quick because we only have 20 minutes left. We have to go quick through these four examples. And I want you to try to get it in your mind because I think some of these examples are going to really hit home for some of us. So let's go back to the passage and let's take a look at how to be the bigger person. The first way is that we have to be willing to take an insult when you want to hit back. Jesus said if someone slaps you on the right cheek, turn the other cheek. Offer the other cheek as well. Now I want you to just, I want, I want you to think about this. I need a, can I have you up, come up here for a second? I need a, I need an, I need, you need to see this visually. Just step up here on so here, he and I are, we're having an, I'm not going to hit you. <laughs> not gonna hit, but you see, he's ready. He's like, what's going on here? Okay. Now, his right cheek is facing you guys, right? Right, left. This is how you do that, if, for those of you who have a hard time with that. Okay. L is left. Okay. Sometimes I have to do that. Okay. So there's his right cheek. Most normal people are right-handed. Can I get an amen? Normal people. <laughs> how many of you are left-handed? Raise your hand if you're left-handed weirdos, man, weirdos, okay? Most of us are right-handed. My wife's left-handed as well. So a right-handed person, if a right-handed person slaps him in the right cheek, what does that mean? Yeah, that means I go like this, backhanded. And in the, in the Jewish culture, if you backhand someone, it's considered like a huge, huge insult, so Jesus isn't talking about if I punch you, you can't punch me back. It's, he's not talking about violence. He's talking about insults. Could we say thank you to Vanna, my lovely assistant? Good job. So what he's, the listeners in Jesus' day would know that's what he's talking about. He's talking about when you're insulted, when somebody backhands you. And what he's saying is this, is when, when, when someone insults you, be the bigger person. Don't insult them back. That is not easy. Amen. You know how hard that is? When you get insulted, do you know how hard it is not to insult someone back? Especially in today's culture on social media. On social media, it is just all, I mean, it's hard enough when you're dealing with an actual human being in front of you like that. But it's even easier to insult someone when you don't see them in front of you when it's just on social media. So I think we have a whole generation of people growing up where it's just, there, there's so much insult going around all over the culture today. And then some, what happens then is just retaliation and insult and come back with an insult and come back with the insult and come back with the insult. And what Jesus is saying is someone has to be the bigger person. Somebody has got to just say, Stop. I'm going to control my instinct, and I'm not going to come back at you and insult you. I'm just not going to. So your homework assignment for this week, husbands, <laughs> is to bite your tongue, to bite your tongue, and be the bigger person. Your wife's probably been doing it for years. It's time for you to do it once. If it's anything like my marriage, be the bigger person. 
Siblings, your, your, your homework assignment is to be the bigger person. Don't insult back when everything in your soul wants to get you to insult back and to fight fire with fire. Jesus says, don't. Someone's got to be the bigger person. We, got, we have a great example of this in Leviticus 19. God says this, this is, again, this is part of what Jesus is referring to. Leviticus 19, do not nurse hatred in your heart for any of your relatives. Some of you families need to make this your family scripture verse for the year. Put that on your refrigerator for the year, right? When if there's a little sibling rivalry going on. And I love what it says next. Confront people directly so you will not be held guilty for their sin. By the way, I don't think that Jesus is saying here that just you should just be walked all over. I think what he's saying is don't fight insults with insults. Don't fight insults with, with don't fight fire with fire. What he's saying is, how about just use your words and don't be passive aggressive. When somebody insults you, how about you just say, hey, that was really insult, insulting. That, that, really, that really hurt my feelings. That's being the bigger person. Coming, coming back with a measured response with a secure response rather than an insecure response like your pride just got stepped all over. So you're gonna show you're the, you're the stronger person. And Jesus is saying, no, just, just confront people directly. That's the healthier way to do it. It's called relational immediacy. It's like when something's going on right now, you're just gonna be like, hey, could, we just, could I just say right now I just feel like there's a lot of tension right here. Can we talk about that a little bit? Man, it'll shock It'll shock that person that is expecting an insult. They're actually, actually they're, they want you to insult them back because they want to insult you back. So what, what happens is we get in our boxes and, and we want to treat the other person in a way that, get, that draws the reaction that justifies how we're feeling. This is how we're built. And Jesus is saying, I want you to be better. I want you to be the bigger person. Because if someone can be the bigger person in that relationship, it can change the whole relationship. He says, do not seek revenge or bear a grudge against a fellow Israelite. And then here it is, we'll talk about this more next week, but love your neighbor as yourself. That's, that's what he's, you know, we've all heard love your neighbor as yourself, but he's talking about real practical stuff here. He's not talking about the word like saying I love you. Anyone can say I love you. No, he's talking about doing it in a really practical way, and one of the practical ways to do it is to bite your tongue and not to insult someone when they insult you. Not to retaliate, not to hold a grudge. It's just to be the bigger person. And I love what he says at the end here. It says, I am the Lord. This is like what my dad would say, because some of us, you hear those, those other lines, those other verses, and you're like, but, 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 it's hard. But, but, they, but they started it, right? That's, how we, that's just how we're built. And God, God's just like, he's like, ah, I said so, I said so. That's why, I am the Lord. He, what he's saying is, I'm God, you're not. I'm in charge, you're not. It's like my dad would say. We're like, why, dad, why? He'd say, because I said so. That's what, that's what he's doing here, God. God's saying, I am the Lord. Translation, because I said so. Don't insult someone who insults you. That's number one. Number two, number two, be a blessing when you have every right not to be. Don't demand your rights, even if you're in the right. Don't demand your right. Be a blessing, even though you have a right not to be. And it comes from this passage right here. If you're sued in court and your shirt is taken from you, 
give your coat too. Now here's the thing. If somebody is take, takes you to court and sues you from, for, their, for your shirt, that means a couple of things. Number one, it means you're poor because they would go for something else than your dirty shirt, but you have nothing else. So that's the implication is they're basically suing you for everything you have. And so they're not just asking for your shirt, they're asking for your coat also. But here's the problem with that. In the court of law, that would never hold up. In the court of law, they're not allowed to take your coat. And that actually comes from this passage in Exodus 20, 22, verse 26. If you take your neighbor's cloak or his coat as security for a loan, you must return it before sunset. And here's why. This coat may be the only blanket your neighbor has. How can a person sleep without it? If you do not return it and your neighbor cries out to me for help, I'm going to hear and I'm merciful. So what God is saying is, I'm merciful, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't let you take their coat. So by the, by the code of the Jewish law, you literally were not even allowed to sue someone for their coat. You could only take their shirt off their back. Okay, so there's the background. And here's what Jesus is saying. Just go ahead and give them your coat. Oh, and you're like, what? But I have a right to my coat. By the law, look, but look what the law says, Jesus. It says I have a right to my coat. They can't do that. That's not fair. That's not right. That's not just. I would win. I would win in the court of law. I would win this one. I'm the right one. They're the wrong one. And Jesus saying, I don't care. Just be the bigger person. Even though you're right and they're wrong, just be the bigger person. You absorb it. You absorb it. Even though you're the one who feels wronged, you absorb it. Doesn't that just get under your skin a little bit? Even as I say those words, it's hard for me to say those words. Because there's something in every one of us instinctively where we just want to demand our rights and we get, we get so focused on our perspective and how it makes us feel. We get so focused on, on how we've been wronged and we just, we start, we start going after justice, and I'm a justice guy. We start going after, that's not right, that's not just. And we start demanding our rights, and Jesus is like, just be the bigger person. Absorb it, just absorb it, is what Jesus is saying. Which just does not come naturally to any one of us. Look at what it says in the New Testament, 1 Peter 2. For God called you to do good even if it means suffering. That's what he's talking about here. He called you to do good, even if it means suffering, just as Christ suffered for you. He's your example. You must follow in his steps. He never sinned, talking about Jesus, nor ever deceived anyone. He didn't retaliate when he was insulted. He didn't threaten revenge when he suffered. Does this sound familiar? This is what Jesus is teaching in Matthew 5, and then he lived it out in his life, and here Peter, one of his disciples, is now thinking about this years later, and he's writing it, and it totally matches what he's saying in his Sermon on the Mount. He's saying, it's saying this, he left his case in the hands of God, who always judges fairly. Some of you have a grudge you're holding. Some of you, there's someone that you've had this interaction with that is just, it's irking you to no end, and here's what you need, here's what you need to hear what you need to understand. Stop trying to control it. Stop 
stop trying to exact vengeance. Stop trying to establish justice. Because maybe that's not your job. That's what it says here. Jesus left his case in the hands of God who always judges fairly. And that's how you can do this. The way you can give up your right when you're right. The way that you can give up your right when you're in the right is to say, God's the judge. It's God's thing. And so I'm going to be a blessing even though I'm not required to be. I'm going to be. That's what Jesus is saying. Man, that's hard to do. Number three, go the extra mile when you get a tough assignment. If a soldier demands that you carry his gear for a mile, carry it two miles. Go the extra mile. Literally, that's where it comes from. Go the extra mile. What what Jesus is talking about here is the Roman law of impressment. Impressment meant if you're a Roman soldier and you're carrying gear, you you could go to a civilian in town and you could say, you carry my gear. And by law, he was required to carry your gear for one mile. The Latin word, it, mile, our word for mile comes from the Latin for 1,000 steps. So it's literally 1,000 steps, according to Roman law, is what that civilian was required to give you. You could impress him into service for 1,000 steps. Now, it happened one time, by the way, in Scripture, in the New Testament, there's one time when someone was impressed into service. Anyone know what that is? Yeah, carrying the cross. That was an example of impressment. When Jesus carried the, was carrying the cross and the Roman soldier made Simon of Cyrene carry the cross for a thousand steps. That was, he was being impressed into service. He had to do it by law. Here's what Jesus is saying. He's saying, if that ever happens to you, carry it two miles. Don't just carry it for 1,000 steps. Carry it for 2,000 steps. Do you know the mindset that it would take? to? Because just try to put yourself in that situation. Here you are in a crowd of people, and a Roman soldier's coming through town, and he just randomly picks you. And you're like, oh, my gosh, what is wrong? I am so unlucky. Why didn't you pick this guy? My brother's standing right next to me. Why didn't you pick him? Right? Don't, I mean, I can feel that. I can feel that. This doesn't seem fair. Why did I get this, why did I get this, you know, hand dealt to me? This doesn't seem fair. And so the normal instinct is for the mile is to just feel like the victim, is to walk and feel like the victim and to feel sorry for yourself. And, I, and you're counting the steps. You're literally marking down the steps as you go one, two, three. And your brother's probably following along saying seven, 12, 50, you know. And Jesus is, here's what Jesus is saying, is I want you to think, the mindset I want you to have is, I'm going to go two miles. Because when you go two miles, at the end of the, at, at, if, you, if you're thinking that you're going two miles, at the end of the first mile, the Roman soldier, by law, had to let you off the hook, and now he's looking at the next crowd, and he's saying, now you take it. And what you're doing is you're saying, I got it. You're letting that guy that was just you a mile ago, by the way, You're letting that guy off the hook, and you're serving for that guy. That's what Jesus is saying. He's saying, you be ready to go the extra mile when you get a tough assignment. Don't act like a victim. You need to say, I'm going to take this on me, and I'm going to go for it twice as much as I'm required to go for it. That's the mindset Jesus wants us to have as his followers. 
And then there's one more. Jesus says, be generous when you find someone in need. He says that in verse 42, give to those who ask and don't turn away from those who want to borrow. That is so hard. I was in Seattle years ago with a bunch of executives and we were coming out of a meeting and going to dinner and two guys were with me, Jimmy and Dan, I'll never forget this, and we were walking to dinner and a, and a homeless guy came up to us and asked for some money. And Jim, I remember, I'll never forget, Jimmy, Jimmy stood there with him and engaged him and, and shared the gospel with him and prayed for him and gave him 20 bucks at the end of that. And Dan the whole time was standing off a, a, about 12 steps away, literally mocking his friend Jimmy the whole time. Mocking him, saying, come on, let's go. What are you doing? Let's go. I'm hungry, right? He's like, what, Jimmy, what are you doing? He's just going to spend it on booze. So Jimmy prays for the guy, gives him 20 bucks, blesses him, and then we walk away. And here I am walking with these two guys, Jimmy and Dan, and listening all the way to the restaurant as, as Dan just continued to mock Jimmy. He said, you're such a sucker. You're, su you're such an idiot that you would give him 20 bucks. You know what he's going to do with that money. And Jimmy just stopped Dan. He said, you know what, Dan? God called me to just be generous. That's my job. It's not my job, what, it's not my responsibility what he does with the 20 bucks, that's on him. But I did what God called me to do, which is to be generous. Now, I don't know who you relate more to in that story, but honestly, I stood there watching the whole time, watching this interaction and feeling like indignant toward Dan in his attitude until I realized that I was Dan, not Jimmy. I didn't give the guy 20 bucks. I didn't talk to the guy. I didn't share the gospel with the guy. In my mind, I was thinking most of the things that Dan said. I just had enough self-control not to say it out loud and look like the moron and become a sermon illustration. <laughs> but I was Dan. Some of you might say, that's me too. I'm Dan. I'm, I might not be so brazen as to say those words, but that's my attitude. That, those are my actions I always pass, but the, my first instinct is to pass judgment on people in a situation like that. Honestly, my first instinct is to say, go get a job. That's my first, I'm just telling you, that's my first instinct. But that wasn't Jimmy's. And that's not Jesus's. He says, just be generous. I love what it says, one more verse in Deuteronomy 15. It says, if there are any poor Israelites in your towns when you arrive in the land the Lord your God has given you, don't be hard-hearted or tight-fisted toward them. Instead, be generous. Lend them whatever they need. Don't be mean-spirited and refuse someone alone because you're, the year of canceling debts is close at hand. He says, give generously to the poor, not grudgingly. For the Lord your God will bless you, will bless you in everything you do. Isn't that interesting? Those four adjectives that are underlined, those are Dan. Hard-hearted, tight-fisted, mean-spirited, Grudging. Totally Dan. And Jesus is saying, be Jimmy, don't be, Dan. don't be Dan. Don't be like that. And here's why. I love this. Here's why. He says, for the Lord your God will bless you in everything you do. Isn't that interesting? It doesn't say, and then the Lord will bless you. He doesn't, God doesn't say, even in this passage, he doesn't say, if you 
cross all your T's and dot all your I's, if, you, if you're a really, really good person, if you've earned it, then the Lord will, will bless you. That's not how God interacts with us. Why? Because he's the bigger person. In relationship to, to us, God's always the bigger person. He's always the one who blesses us in spite of us. When we're hard-hearted, when we're tight-fisted, when we're mean-spirited, he still blesses us anyway. He's still going to bless us. Why? Because it's who he is. He just blesses us. He doesn't bless us when we've earned it. He just blesses us because he's the bigger person. And all Jesus is saying here is just you be like that. In any relationship, someone has to be the bigger person. Why doesn't the Christ follower do that? Why don't you just be the bigger person? Don't seek justice. Don't seek vengeance. Don't seek eye for eye and tooth for tooth. Just be the bigger person. Bless people even when they don't deserve it because that's how God interacts with us. And the Bible says that we can do this not instinctively because our instincts will always bring us the other way. The reason we as followers of Jesus can do this is because the Holy Spirit is in us, moving us to be more like Jesus. That's the Jesus way. Let's pray. Father, I pray that we would Take to heart what you're speaking in these verses to us today. Lord God, that we would be generous when we want to be stingy. God, that we would forgive when we want to insult back. God, that we would go the extra mile, that we would, that we would give the shirt off our back and our coats as well. God, that we would be a blessing to people even when they're not a blessing to us. That we would be the bigger person in our marriages, in our families, in our workplaces, in our neighborhoods, here at church, just everywhere, God, that your followers would model a whole new radical way of living. And God, I pray that as we do that, the watching world will see a reflection of who Jesus is and how God responds to us. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.